the Leading Like a Lady podcast was created to remind Black women, young and old, that acting like a lady is exactly what the world needs in leadership. And this podcast is sponsored by Audible. Audible, an Amazon company, offers the world's largest selection of digital audiobooks and spoken word content. With Audible, customers can listen anytime and anywhere to professionally narrated audiobooks across a wide range of genres. Sign up for Audible today with a free 30-day trial and get two free audiobooks using the link beneath this podcast episode. The podcast that I started was, you know, about just what lessons can we learn from exceptional leadership, um, exceptional women who who have been leaders. And what does that mean for us as Black women um, in terms of what do we like need to see within ourselves to be um, exceptional leaders as well? But then also, how do we get over this notion that, you know, that we're trained in our minds to say that the people that we should look up to, the people that are exemplifying leadership, mostly have quote unquote male characteristics, you know? I feel like in this world, when we when we think about, when we try to describe, and we're going to talk about this in this conversation, when we try to describe what a good leader is, a lot of times it's the characteristic traits that most cultures associate with being a manly man, you know, like being aggressive, being, you know, authoritative. And um, I want us to kind of unlearn that with this podcast. I want to show how there are examples of quote unquote women traits that are actually just traits that all people should have as leaders. And so even though a majority of people who are gonna listen to this podcast are obviously gonna be women, because um, it's gonna be called Leading Like a Lady, I'm praying and hoping that as you know we have more of these conversations and in the way that we have these conversations that men will realize there are some things that I can learn from this podcast too. And it's not just like, yo, it's a, it's a woman thing, it's just for them, you know? to try to get over this idea that it's men only that look like leaders. I was, I've been doing LinkedIn polls, right? And I've been asking people on my, on my network, you know, who are women, and it doesn't matter what race they are, black, white, whatever, um, questions around like how they're feeling as women, whether in their career and also how their personal life plays a, a part in it. And the most recent poll that I did, I asked women, what past or present, what in the past or present has been your biggest obstacle? And the options were finances, being a wife or a mother with a job, self-esteem, and training or education. And I'm just curious, which one do you think got the most votes out of out of those four? And I just left it open. I didn't say your biggest obstacle at work. I didn't say your biggest obstacle at home. I just said in general, in your past or in your present, who has been your biggest obstacle? For me, I think uh, self-esteem would be one of it. And it's really about uh, women needing to step out. And uh, a lot of it sometimes has a lot to do with fear. And I think uh, self-esteem could be one of it. Yeah. And I think it would be the top. That's very interesting. I'm surprised that you immediately said self-esteem. <laughs> so that's actually, <laughs> that's actually a good, great, great segue into, you know, the conversation that we're going to have. So before I go back to the poll, um, I just wanted to ask you a general question. What keeps you up at night the most as a woman? Like what, what is always constantly on your mind that you feel is the source of your concern or worry? For the most part, it's mostly to do with finances and 
really it's about the future and how to be able to prepare for the future because we live in very interesting times we're currently in a pandemic and apart from the pandemic we've had it has had an impact in terms of our economies and not just um, economies in our national governments but also across the world and so as a woman and a young woman for that matter having assets and being able to secure your future is pretty much important and so a lot of it has to do with finances and being able to invest for your future and think about ways of cushioning yourself against any impact of the economy and so for a very long time and even in this particular time my major concern really has been finances but also opportunities for growth and growth in the sense in my career personal development but also at a personal level as well yeah. mm. has this been something before the pandemic that has been your biggest concern or is it just the pandemic that's making it something that is more of a of a worry for you like do you do you feel a lot of times it's the circumstances of the world that makes you gravitate towards finances as your biggest concern or do you think this is just a general thing that you've always been worried about before the pandemic finances was important but not as important as right now because i think the pandemic has also given us time to like think through issues because you find yourself you're locked in and you're in the house the entire time and you get to actually look at your expenditures how much are you spending on this how much are you saving then you begin to actually ask yourself what if i was actually the landlord who was getting this rent that i'm actually paying to the landlord what does that mean in terms of house ownership what does it mean if i had an extra income because you find yourself you're buying stuff online or you're ordering for stuff i don't know from amazon or from uh, jumuiya if you're in kenya and, and many things and so in a sense finances become critical but also finances not in a narrow perspective in terms of just money in and money out but really about how how can you be able to grow your money how do you be able how can you be able to start investing and how can you be quite responsible in terms of just um helping other people around you because even in this particular time coming from an african setup you realize that having a job as one person uh you have to really uh, support your family you have to support your parents uh, a relative here and there friends who are not doing well and so it's in a sense your money is not your money your money belongs to the society in a sense and so you're constantly being uh, you're constantly finding yourself being called upon to help and it's usually demanded that at least you should at least help even if you don't have something at least give something uh, give something a little and this actually brought me to the perspective even during this covid times where i was now beginning to think of what does it mean for me to create something and what would it look like and how many people would it support and how many people would it employ and so i got into the space where i was beginning to think of what does it look like to actually have a startup and i think for a very long time had i had it been in normal times i would have been held back because of perhaps yeah and even right now i've had to constantly remind myself that I'm, i'm good enough and i can actually begin something and so having to confront the fear and that is why when i when you asked the question about the polling self esteem was one of it because you would imagine for somebody like me at my age and with the education i've had and the kind of exposure that i have 
self-esteem would not be something that I would struggle with, but it's something that you constantly have to remind yourself and affirm yourself that you can do it because the people who are making it out there are not quite different from you. They are all the same as you. They might have a different background or a different exposure, but all they took for themselves to be who they are was to just step out and have a concrete plan. Some of them did have and they learned along the way. And it's basically that, stepping out. It's very interesting because you started out with saying that finances was your biggest concern. But underneath it, as you kept talking, there was really something else. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I want to explore that a little bit. But like what I heard you, what I heard from what you said, like I heard what you said explicitly. But like if I think mm-hmm. about what you're really saying, I heard that you have, you feel a sense of responsibility and you're worried that you're not going to be able to fulfill that responsibility. And that may be connected to self-esteem. That might be, I mean, it, it probably is because it's a, it's a matter of you're finding your, you're finding your value or your worth in how capable you are or how equipped you are to make sure that others are not disappointed, you know? And then finances is just one tool that you're trying to use to fulfill that and to also, you know, inadvertently build up that self-esteem. Would you say that, like, that's what it, that's what it sounded like to me. Um, and, and I feel like with women, again, like, it, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting to me because if we think about the way that society, and, you know, it's hard to talk about society because there's different cultures, right? So one culture might be different in the way they treat women versus another, right? But if we think about, like, us as African women, and then also me living in the U.S., a lot of times finances or like being wealthy let's talk about that being rich and wealthy is obviously something that we see is more accessible to men and so you know in a lot of these movies when we talk about um wall street or if we talk about um you know people in the c-suite or the 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 people who are in the executive um areas of their lives immediately i think a lot of us imagine men in our minds And so I think even in this conversation, we're kind of revealing the, the, the issue that I wanted to address with this podcast and that a lot of our like societal norms have been pushing us to think that the tools and um, resources that we need to be something of worth or be something of value are usually the ones that are in the hands of men. And then inadvertently, that turns back to women saying, well, I'm not good enough, or I don't deserve that, or that's not something that I can attain. And then it continues to perpetuate this feeling of being lesser than. And so, I, I mean, based on that alone, and you can tell me whether or not you agree with me, but I think based on that alone, that's probably the reason why <laughs> more women said self-confidence was an issue. Um, than finances and and just one other thing um, the curious thing that I noticed is that the people who did say finances were mostly in Africa were women in Africa so I kind of can get a can get a sense of why that is based off a lot of things that you just said already but then also the the majority of women who said self-confidence in my poll or self-esteem were people in the U.S. <laughs> so it's like even when you do get the quote-unquote tools or the resources 
that you think you need from the people who are normally in power, aka the men, there's still something inside of you that says I'm not good enough, or there's something that that I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be able to do this thing. You know? Okay. On one hand, I would say I, I think we would need to actually have evidence to be able to determine to what extent are we saying that the money that we are talking about or the finances are actually in the hands of men. But one thing that we need to recognize, whether it's finances or whatever it is that we are going for, if you don't step out, you won't actually get it. And one of the key things about achieving anything that you want to achieve is that you have to take the risk. And I think in terms of risk and even the way the socialization of men and women is that even when you're young, the men or the boys are allowed to actually play the risky games and I mean the risky games are the ones that you are likely to get hurt and so in terms of risk taking the boy is actually exposed to risk at that particular early age and so I think there's an element of learning and unlearning and the other thing that I would also want to sort of say is that the world does what hard work and for me uh, looking at the reason as to why you might have said that most uh women who are based in Africa mentioned that finances were critical the reason as to why i would i would throw sort of the why finances would be one of the key things that they would be concerned about is also looking at some systemic issues most of our countries don't have um social net uh social uh programs where the government is able to step in and be able to support especially on social protection and safety i don't know whether you've heard about the black tax and so you entrance you find yourself that you're literally not just uh, working working to cater for your needs but you're also having to support your society and so in that and uh, in that particular perspective you literally find yourself you're juggling many balls you're trying to do some 8 to 5 job over here on the other side you're trying to do a side business to be able to cater for all these needs because there are many people who are looking up to you and they're looking up to you to support them but also the society expects you to do this because there isn't if you don't step in the government won't step in if you find yourself weighed down with a lot of responsibilities it also means that your appetite to take risks and step out might also be limited in that perspective i think we're both saying the same thing we're, we're using different um approaches to analyzing the issue. So I think because of the fact that we need something like money to survive, sometimes depending on our context like for example, if you're in a country like Kenya or you're in a country like Nigeria where my family is from where there's no social safety nets like you said, then we will gravitate first towards getting that. But I think what the real issue is at the end of the day, it's not really a hierarchy. I think it's like a but it's like a holistic approach because one mm-hmm. thing kind of inhibits the other thing from happening right and then it becomes a vicious mm-hmm. cycle and then in terms of the you know let's let's bring in statistics so I was reading the Harvard Business Review Harvard Business Review um was quoting um some resources I mean sorry some research from the Boston Consulting Group that said that if we truly achieved achieved um equity between women and men or parity between women and men in terms of the amount of money that is given to female and male entrepreneurs global gdp could ultimately rise by 3% to 6% boosting the global economy from 2.5 trillion to 5 trillion for a significant increase logically speaking <laughs> it works in our favor as a global society right 
if men and women had parity in terms of, for example, getting access to finances to becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business. Um, over the years, I've gradually moved more towards extroversion, but I'm still right there in the middle. Like I'm 58% extroversion, <laughs> but I still feel like I, compared to you, I'm more so in the introverted side. And I bring up that point because I do agree. Like you, your, your points are valid in terms of, but the interesting word that you use is prove yourself. Because I was, I was reading also about, I was reading some um, psych- psychology uh, articles. So there's a publication in the U.S. called Psychology Today that a lot of mm-hmm. um, licensed therapists or psychologists post articles in. And I was, I was researching it to find out what is the source of low self-esteem, like regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, what is the source, right? And I thought that this definition was very interesting. It said people with low self-esteem tend to see the world as a hostile place and themselves as its victim. I thought that was interesting because whether or not the case is true or not, whether like the world is truly a hostile place, it seems like the definition is still placing the blame, if you want to use it, or the responsibility on the person for their their way of viewing how the world is, right? And them needing to change it. And I wonder sometimes, because if we go down to like the really heart of um, the connection between psychology and biology, like the way we're made up, I truly honestly believe that introversion is like a biological issue, right? Whereas like sometimes you just can't help it, that even if you were given an opportunity to say, stand in front of a, an audience and talk about something that you're passionate about, your introversion can get in the way of that. But then if you add to that, um, biologically, I know that there are some people who are just like that, right? So I think what I'm trying to say is that if you add the if you add the combination of some people are just biologically set to behave in a certain way, but then also truly there being a hostile environment. And this is another question I would love to ask, you know, in the poll, like do women view the world as a hostile environment? But I do think that based on what you've been sharing, you agree that the environment has not been conducive for women to feel confident as well so when you combine those two in my mind i'm like we can't i I think sometimes in these conversations about women empowerment about you know women becoming leaders and um you know taking charge the onus is always put on the woman to do something about what her perception of herself is and uh, and what i wonder sometimes is even if we think we're the best even if we think that we are the most talented uh, we definitely deserve this opportunity. If the environment continues to be hostile towards us, couldn't that be the real reason why some of our self-confidence is low? Um, and then, you know, what do we do to change the, the circumstances around us? So that's why I asked you about, has anyone ever tried to build your self-confidence and fail? Because I, I'm still working this out in my mind, but I just feel sometimes mm-hmm. that these women's empowerment groups at these women conferences need to do a better job of not just talking to the women <laughs> and they need to now start talking to the people who are the people that create this like guys, the way that we think about what it means to be a leader. And the other reason why I say that is because going back to, to the Harvard Business Review, <laughs> which kind of like, this was the article that actually inspired me to start this podcast. Um, this um, author, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, but Tomas um, Kamaro Premuzic. He wrote um, this article called, Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? <laughs> and he said that the, the traits that get more men to be in leadership roles 
that we kind of label as self-confidence are actually mental disorders like narcissism <laughs> like psychopathic <laughs> and he names the people he says Steve Jobs Vladimir Putin narcissism psychopathy think all of our african leaders <laughs> buhari whoever he said uh yeah. machiavellian so machiavellian is a one that comes up a lot because um in these women conferences too i feel like we are stopped this like we're competing against each other and that the one woman's success cannot be it's going to be to the disadvantage of my success so then we start getting then we start becoming machiavellian in it and thinking about how we're going to strategically but in a cute way in a way that doesn't look like we're actually you know conniving you know create this woman's downfall so that we can actually succeed so mm-hmm. that's why I, i i i always circle back to the psychology of this conversation i i, I definitely agree that women uh need to believe in themselves and need to get prepared and take the risk of the opportunities that are afforded to them but if the environment continues to be hostile and that that's the example of a leader not someone You know, we will never say that someone being quiet and subdued is a leader a lot of times. You know, someone who doesn't necessarily want to be a public speaker will say, "Oh, but then how can you be a leader?" I think we need to change that conversation. Going back to leading like a lady, the title of this podcast, people think, "Oh, the woman subdued, so she's subdued, she's very gentle, or she can't, you know, be in <laughs> too much of a risky or, you know, too dynamic of an environment. She's very fragile." but maybe that's actually the trait of someone who is more calculated in a way of I'm really going to meditate carefully before I make a decision. I'm not going to rush to a decision just because being authoritative looks like a leader, you know. And I'll I'll stop talking and I'll let you react. <laughs> <laughs> you raise really interesting points, but I think uh, my starting point would be let's first of all make a distinction between introversion and extraversion so you could actually be introverted and be self-confident you could be extroverted and be self-confident and so in a sense being introverted or extroverted has has nothing to do with your self-confidence and who you are as a person just like you my first performance was when i was six years old and i get to go to a stage and i get to do a recital but the teacher says You talk really fast. And because I talk really fast, I end up losing my spot in um this poem that I had actually crammed and memorized it in my heart and it was about I think it went like I wonder why the stars shine bright or I can't remember the lines but I had really memorized it. And so in a sense that impacts on my self-confidence. However, I still find my way in being part of the production but not as a main character per se but along the way because of my socialization back at home my mother was uh, very good in terms of answering all the questions I had as a child because I was very inquisitive and her being a teacher and also an educator she always answered my questions answer all the questions even the ones that looked so obvious and very silly questions but I think looking at that particular kind of upbringing and looking at that particular environment that I grew up I would say that it affirmed me to be who I am today and although I had aspects of my life where I lost my self confidence I was able to bounce back and I think uh, leadership programs are quite instrumental in terms of helping us to bounce back but also to identify what are our internal blocks 
why do I share all of this? I think one of the key things in terms of being able to discover your confidence or being able to step out is to be able to understand who you are, what are your internal blocks, and what do you need to do. The world really needs young women, young men, but the world is waiting for leaders who can be able to impact the society that we live in. There's a lot of issues that are going on in terms of challenges, and there are many solutions that are needed. And I think there's a place for each and every one of us, but we need to be ready before we are ready. And working on ourselves is one way of doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I, I think I think we're, we're saying the same thing. <laughs> we just say it in a different way, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think we're both leaning towards one more than the other, but like we're, we're, we're basically saying the same thing. So, I mean, we can, we can definitely wrap this up to say that there is a benefit to taking personal responsibility to some extent, right, for how you feel about yourself and how you view the world. You know, there's a difference between self-esteem and uh, what was it, self-compassion. Mm-hmm. So if I, I'm probably making the mistake too of talking a lot about self-esteem, but maybe what we need to learn more of is about having self-compassion. Mm-hmm. So that's where the personal responsibility in my mind comes in. Talk to ourselves in a better way. That inner voice that we have that is telling us either that we're a failure or that we're not doing enough to succeed, reprogram it. That's an area that women can take responsibility for. More self-compassion. The world needs more leaders, especially more women leaders. Mm-hmm. To, to step up to the plate to to change this to, first of all to just make an impact on the world like you said like there's just so many things that are wrong that maybe stem from the way that we think about men versus women I don't know we can explore that more in a different podcast <laughs> additionally we need to and this is where my point always comes in when we, when we say that word leader what do we actually mean because the world has a lot of leaders but what is the characteristic of a leader that we're looking for and if we're going by the current model that we have, according to Harvard Business Review and according to my personal experience, that, that characteristic of leader is actually the, the cause of the problem rather than the solution. This narcissistic mindset that, you know, I'm leading because I need to be great versus I'm leading because we all need to be greater. Don't forget to subscribe to the blog so that you receive updates on when we post directly to your email. Don't forget to sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible using the promo link below this podcast. Then read along with us on our Leading Like a Lady series, where we discuss women who are phenomenal leaders in the African diaspora and have lessons to teach us about what it means exactly to act like a lady in a leadership role.